Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Why don't you take a seat? It is so great that you've come out and uh, happy holidays. If you are a parent of a, uh, a high school, primary school student, thank you, Chais. Did, did I get that right? Chais, yes. A bit South African, I got that... Uh, um, uh, great. So, so if you are if you are on on holidays uh, right now, thank you for, for still coming out. And uh, you know, really tempting mornings like this just to stay under the warmth of the doona uh, and do TV, uh, church online, TV, all of that. But there is nothing like getting into the very presence with all God's people. Amen. So, uh, so, so we we do need a miracle uh, tonight. If you are a Maroon supporter, uh, we need that same energy. Please bring that same enthusiasm, intensity, and believe, uh, and pray for Pastor Rob, who is a diehard Blue supporter. I don't know how they let him in this church, but he's here. And uh, getting a few claps there. I don't know how they let you guys across the border. So, um, but. Uh, and speaking of the origin, tonight at our 5 p.m. service, after the 5 p.m. service, we're going to hang around. We're going to be showing it on this big screen. So uh, we're, we're even Christian enough that we will allow Blue supporters to come in and watch it with us. So uh, we'd love for you to join us following the 5 p.m. service. We'll have footy food, all of that, and uh, believing for a miracle there for the Maroons. So. Awesome. Well, if we haven't met, my name is Noah, and uh, it, it is such a blessing to be able to minister uh, to us this morning. And we've been in a series called The Songs of Ascent. And uh, these are a group of Psalms uh, from Psalm 120 to 134 that the children of, of God, the, the children of Israel, they would sing these groups of songs as they would uh, set out on a pilgrim to Jerusalem three times a year. Three times a year they were uh, told to gather together from all around the nation. And, and the last part of the journey was an ascent. Jerusalem was set up on a hill. And the last part of the journey there would be a climb. And so that's when these songs were sung. There, there were 15 of them. It's like a playlist, so to speak, for a very long road trip. And, and, and I love the fact that these are songs of ascent. They're not songs of departure. You know, if you're preparing for a long trip and there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of joy, and there's a lot of hype at the beginning of a trip, but then when you've been traveling for hours and hours on end towards the end, and then you start whinging and whining and complaining, are we there yet? My feet are sore. My back hurts. Parents, you know this one. She's touching me. Tell her to stop touching. Look out your window. So there's, there's all of this stuff happening. You can imagine traveling for days and days on foot. But God's saying, no, no, no. The songs are reserved for that last part of the trip. The songs are reserved for that part where you feel like, oh, I'm over this trip. God's saying, as you climb, I want you to put a song in your mouth, a song of praise on your lips, gratitude in your heart, so that by the time you hit the courts of God, you come into his presence with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with joy and praise and all of that. So God's timed it, timed it well. And, uh, and I love the fact that when we gather as a church, you know, uh, we can have that same thing, that when we come in here, sometimes it's tough, you know, and, and, and I understand that, and the stuff that's happened throughout the week has been really, really hard. By the time we get here, we just think, 
I just want him to play a decent song. I just want a decent message to happen. Don't talk to me, anyone. I'm just here to get my feed and then I'm leaving. But I want you to know that God is calling all of us to go above that. That when we come in, that we come seeking to give. And I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking praise to God because he is worthy. That we come with that same attitude that I'm coming to give to God. Regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of what's happened through the week, I'm coming to give him some praise, to give him my worship. I'm not coming just to give leftovers and all of that. I'm exhausted through the week, I understand that. But God's saying, come in, come in with that. I used to have... A, um, one of those, uh, um, you know, just like an, uh, a typical sort of lawnmower, petrol, and that, and, uh, and I would have to pull this thing, you know, um, countless times just to kind of get it started. And it used to annoy me because I would sort of service it myself and make sure the spark plugs, all of that was clean, make sure, you know, it, it's all of that. And, and it would just be times where I would be trying to start it and, uh, and my arm would almost drop off because, you know, it just wouldn't budge. And I thought, that does it. I'm sending this one away. I'm, I'm through with it. And, and I bought myself a, um, an electric uh, push-start mower. And I love that because all you've got to do is you've got to charge the battery, you slip it in, and then you've just got to press the button and away you go. And it's, it's awesome. There's no stress. There's no, there's no messy, you know, pouring in petrol, going to the servo, all of that. And, and, and I think sometimes for God, God's saying, I'd love if you guys were push, push-start people, that, that we wouldn't have to try and wind you up to get you going, you know, and do all these things that you just come in and I'm push-start. I'm low maintenance. I'm just here to praise God. And, and, uh, and I just think for some of us, that's the attitude that I think God is, is calling us to where it's constantly hard to get some people started, like trying to get your teenagers up in the morning during school holidays. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's always a challenge. So praise God. We're going to look at uh, Psalm 125 today. So we've been looking at a whole bunch of different themes throughout uh, this series. But Psalm 125 is where I want to touch on today. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, follow along. If you're taking notes, that's awesome. Uh, but we're going to show it up on the screen as well. Psalm 125, it says this, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. My focus really is on the first part of this scripture. Verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. I want to talk to you today from the subject, trust issues, trust issues. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are already ministering to your people. We just come open, receptive, and teachable, Lord God, to what you would be speaking to us about. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Trust issues. Just uh, glance around. Just ask those around you. Do you have any trust issues?
No, no, I'm just joking. Don't, don't do that. Uh, trust issues. The reality is that for all of us, at some point, we develop some trust issues. Um, when, when our son was a toddler and he'd just finished learning how to walk and, and so we'd play around and, and, and I started putting him up on the kitchen counter and I would say, jump. And he'd sort of look at me and then he'd look down and he'd think, and I knew it was that look of, can I trust this guy? And he would say, come closer, daddy. And so I'd go right up and then he'd just sort of step off and I'd grab him. Well, once he learned that it was okay, you know, I could start taking steps back and, and, and he would sort of jump out and then he'd feel, oh, okay, no, 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 he's got me. Well, it, he got so familiar with that that he would just get me to stand a few, you know, a, a, a little bit farther back and he would run up and launch himself knowing that I would catch him. The, the, uh, the, the tough thing was that there were times that he'd become so familiar where he would climb up on things and he wouldn't tell me he was there. So I'd be busy doing something and all I would hear while he's flying through the air is, Daddy, catch! And I'd turn around and he's already there. And, and so he learned that it, it was all good, that, that he can kind of launch himself from any place and uh, daddy would be there to catch him. And, and I felt in preparing for this that maybe for some of us, we had that kind of relationship with God, that we knew that it didn't matter what was happening in our lives, God would always have our back, that God would always be there. But maybe you went through a situation, maybe there was an unmet expectation, maybe there was a disappointment and you're saying now, I don't know if I can trust him. Yeah, yeah, I love him, I worship him, I come to church, I do all of that, but I don't really know if I can trust him because I'm disappointed. Or, or maybe you've been in a relationship with someone who hurt you really bad, who, who broke your heart, and then you've, there are other people that you kind of meet and you don't really want to let them come in too close because, you know, you feel, I don't want to feel that pain anymore. So you just sort of keep them at, at an arm's length. Or, or, or maybe you were going to a church and there was unmet expectations there. And, and so now you don't really always go to church or maybe you just settled for church online because you don't want to get hurt by people. All of us at some point in our lives will have some sort of trust Issues and, and I believe that today is really about God saying, I see it and I'm able to heal it. Because here's the beautiful thing about trusting God. Trusting God comes out of intimacy. Trusting God comes out of intimacy. Sometimes we use trust and faith interchangeably. But the way I see it, faith is the action, trust is the person. Faith is the what we do, trust is the who it's in. And so when we're sort of looking at that, one of my favorite definitions of trust, and it comes from one of the definitions that the Hebrew Bible tells us, it is the reckless reliance on the character of God. It is the absolute reckless reliance on the character of God. I love that. I love that idea that although I may not be able to trace God at times, I can still trust him. When I can't track down what exactly he's doing in my life, I can still lean into him and I can still trust him. And so having a look at this scripture, I want us to uh, have a look at some of the things that we receive when we actually trust God. 
When we trust God, I believe that there are certain things from this scripture that is actually imparted to us that we have uh, actually begin to develop in our, in our lives. And, and the first one I have, want to have a look at is in verse 1. It says, those that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Now, Zion in the Bible is, is, is often talked about in different ways. Sometimes it is the literal mountain where Jerusalem is located. So maybe uh, sometimes it, it is talking about that. Zion is also talked about as the gathering of the people of God. Uh, that, 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 that is also Zion. It, it is a place. But, but the origin story of Mount Zion starts all the way back in Genesis, and in Genesis, there is a, a man named Abraham, um, and God gave him this ridiculous promise that despite his elderly age, despite the fact that his wife was barren, that they would have not just children, but they would have multitudes and multitudes of descendants that they would not even be able to count. God had, uh, Abraham had the audacity to believe God, and so years later, they, they had a child, Abraham was almost 100, um, Elizabeth, sorry, uh, Sarah was 90, and they have Isaac. Well, years later, God uh, tells Abraham another thing that he needs him to do. He says, I want you to take your son, that only son, the one that you love, and I want you to sacrifice to him at a place that I will show you. Now, the Bible says that early the next morning, Abraham gets up, he gets ready, and he sets out. Abraham is known as a man of faith, the faith of Abraham. He's known as a friend of God. And it's amazing because if that was me and God spoke to me audibly that clearly, I would want some specifics. I would at least want directions. Amen. If God's going to tell me to go and do something, I want to know where exactly on the map is it. God doesn't even give Abraham the courtesy of specific directions. God just says, get up and get going. And after three days, imagine that, three days of uncomfortable silences with your son, three days of opportunities where you could have thought, you know what, maybe I misheard God, I'm going back home. After three days, the Bible says, Abraham looks up, he sees a mountain range called Moriah, and he knows that's the place. So the first ascent up the hill to this place that we're reading about, they weren't singing it was an ascent in silence as Abraham and his son were heading up there and his son was carrying the wood for the sacrifice. And it's a prophetic picture of generations later where God would send his own son that would track up a, another hill with wood on his back. And, and God saved Abraham and his son, but God didn't allow his own son to be saved. And so they're trekking up here. So this whole mountain range is based on trust. Mount Zion is actually a place that we know today because of the trust of one man in a God. Abraham may not have fully understood it, but he said, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go up anyway. And so the first thing I want you to know about trust from this, it says, those that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, it abides forever. The first thing I believe that we receive when we trust God is stability. It is stability. They are like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. 
This is such a relevant thing for us today. There are those in Sydney who are waking up this morning to the news that they are in lockdown. And we are told in this current time the need for us to kind of be flexible and agile and to pivot quickly, all of this sort of stuff. So in the midst of all this change around us, when we trust God, we can have stability within us. When, when I don't quite understand what is happening around me, when there are all these changes, all these challenges, what happens is when I trust God, I can have absolute peace and stability within me. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The prophet is saying that those that place their trust in God, it's an illustration of like a tree. If you've ever seen a tree planted by the water, those trees aren't fragile. Those trees are wide, they're strong, and their roots go down deep, and then they spread out. So, so what is happening? Those trees are so stable, they have to be because they are by water, that they have broadened out their base like a pyramid that has to be built a certain way. It's extremely narrow up top, but it is wide down below. And the Bible is saying that those that trust in God are like that, that, that we are wide down below, uh, metaphorically, not physically. Uh, we, we, we are wide down below because we are able to, to place a firm foundation. Doesn't matter what's coming, we're stable. It doesn't matter what hits us, what news that's coming, we are able to be stable because we are like a tree planted by rivers of water that our roots go down deep and they spread out wide. And in this current season of quick changes and things that we are waking up to and all this stuff, we need stability. We need stability. The gospel opens with this story about a man named Zachariah. He's a priest and his wife is Elizabeth and they're both an elderly couple. And there was a certain time in the year where the priests, um, their orders were selected and then by lot, which was kind of by chance, each one would take a, a kind of like a, a, a see who would be selected randomly. And then they would be chosen to go in to minister to God in the holy of holy place. That place where only the priest would go in once a year to minister on behalf of the people. Well, it just so happens that at this specific time, Zechariah's name was drawn. And so he goes in. Scholars tell us that for some of these priests, they may only get this opportunity once in their lifetime. This was a really, really big deal. So... Zechariah's name is drawn and he goes in. And the Bible says that as he is ministering, an angel appears right next to him. And the angel says this, the angel says, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been heard and is being answered. And then it tells you what that prayer is. He says, you and your wife Elizabeth will bring forth a son. So despite their old age, Despite Elizabeth's barrenness, this is the thing. Zechariah still has the audacity to get into God's presence and believe for something ridiculous. 
After years and years of maybe disappointment, you know, maybe in their early 20s they were trying for a child and it never happened. Maybe then in their 30s, maybe beyond that in their 40s they they were still hoping. But now they are elderly, they are old. And Zechariah hasn't done what I would have done. And that is if I've got a list and I'm believing God for this and it's been years and decades and it hasn't happened, I would have just crossed that one off the list and maybe gone to the second one. What's the next one? Zechariah doesn't do that. He knows that he has this opportunity. So he's in the presence of God and he asks again. And lo and behold, heaven hears and heaven responds. And and I believe for, for some of us, We've actually stopped asking for something because it's been a long time and you haven't seen it. Yeah, and, 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 and we hear this, this uh, saying, and it's so true, that delay doesn't, equal, uh, doesn't mean denial. That just because you've been waiting a long time doesn't mean that the answer is no. Proverbs 13, 12 says that, um, that the uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life that sometimes we get heart sick when we are hoping and believing for something that is yet to come to pass. But the second part of that scripture is so important. It says, but a longing or a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Question, where did the tree come from? It didn't magically appear. This is what I felt the Holy Spirit say. The tree came from the fact that even when your hope, your, your heart sick because of deferred hope, you can still keep watering that plant. You can still keep nurturing that promise. You can still keep believing. The tree didn't magically appear. No, no, no. Despite my uh, heart sickness, despite believing for something and still not seeing it come into fruition, don't allow that to keep you uh, passive and and, and keep you uh, inactive. You can still water that thing. You can still believe it. You can still nurture it. And one day, it will be a tree of life. And I believe that's, that's for someone that's been believing for something, but you haven't seen it come to pass. And it's been years and maybe like Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's been decades. I want you to know that God is still in the business of answering prayers, but it's stability. It's, it's what Zachariah had. It's trusting in God gave him the stability to actually still believe despite what was happening around him. The second thing I believe that um, trusting God gives us comes from verse 2. It says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. The second thing I believe trusting God gives us is security. It it is security. Where Jerusalem is, it is nestled amongst a mountain range. And the writer is saying, just like Jerusalem is surrounded by these mountains, those that trust in God are surrounded by him. They are surrounded by him. Even Jesus, as he was coming into that final week prior to his crucifixion, and he saw the city of Jerusalem and he began to weep. And he said, how long have I desired to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks? That, that God's heart is to gather around us and, and, and to have us be drawn to him. That, that trusting in him does it. it. It causes security to happen within us, that, that we don't have to be insecure about anything, that God's saying, I've got you. 
I've got you covered. Uh, I'll make a way in front of you. Psalm 23 tells us that goodness and mercy will follow behind you. The promise of the Father at Pentecost is the Holy Spirit, the Parakletos, is the counselor and comforter that comes alongside of us. God says, my hand will be upon you. So whether it's in front of you, behind you, beside you, upon you, God's got you surrounded that you never have to feel like you are insecure and vulnerable because God doesn't have your back. God is saying, no, no, no. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so I surround my people. Proverbs 3 verse 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall, bring, he shall direct your paths. Trusting God, it not only brings security of God's protection, but it also brings security of God's direction. It also, God also protects and ensures that the direction you go, you may not know, but God makes sure that the direction you go is actually protected and covered. Long before God spoke to Abraham about sacrificing his son, he spoke to him and called him out of his father's house. And he said to him, come out of your father's house, come out of your country, basically come out of everything that's familiar and I will show you a place that you shall go. Again, God is like, this is a thing I've had to get, God is not Google Maps. God doesn't give us specific directions. I want directions. I want you talking to me. 200 meters ahead, take a left turn. At the next roundabout, second exit. That's what I want. But God is not like that. He is not Google Maps. He is not Siri. He's not Alexa. God is big on obedience, skinny on details. God just says, get up and get going, and I'll show it to you when you go. Bible says that they've been traveling, and then finally, after Lot leaves and they separate, God speaks to Abraham, and he says, look up, look north, look south, look east, look west. Everywhere you see, I have given it to you. So God didn't even give Abraham directions. Abraham just trusted God and just started moving. And before he knew it, he was right dead bang smack right in the middle of the place that God had for him all along. For some of us, we're sort of waiting and thinking, give me another sign, God. Give me another sign. And God's just saying, just get going. Just know what, whatever you know to do next, you do that because I will direct your path. Like the saying goes, you cannot steer a parked car. At least turn the ignition on and get going, and then God will actually steer it. So God is saying, I will give you that security. I will give you that when you are trusting in me and acknowledging me in all your ways, I will direct your path. Even if you don't understand the path that you're on, I will still be there to protect you and to direct you. Uh, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three Israeli boys that were taken away in captivity uh, 70 years in Babylon. And you may know the story where a issue was decreed that everyone, whenever they heard certain music, that there was this huge idol that was built. And wherever you were, whatever you were doing, you had to stop and you had to bow down and pay homage to that idol. Well, these three boys, they were uh, believers and followers of the living God. And when it happened, they stood there and they refused. Well, the king got really angry and he said, now listen, guys, I know you're not from around here, but here, I'm going to tell it to you again so you understand. When you hear the music played, stop what you're doing, 
get down and bow to that thing. And the guys say, no, 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 we understood you the first time, but understand this, that we will not bow. King Nebuchadnezzar threatens them that he will throw them in the fiery furnace. He goes, look, we believe that our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. Where did that kind of belief come from? It came from the fact that these boys understood. We may not understand what's happening. We may not know what to do, but here's what we are going to do. We are going to trust in him regardless of the consequences, regardless of the situation that we're confronted with. We are still going to trust him. They had the security. They had the peace of mind to know even in the midst of all of this, God is still trustworthy. And then finally, today in Musos, you can come up. Verse 3 says this, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. The scepter of wickedness, it shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. That means that we may go through a period where we are being ruled over by those who are not righteous, those who are, who are not believers, by wickedness, whether it's over our land or whether it's over us. There may be oppression, there may be uh, all of that sort of stuff, but what it's saying is it will not rest. It will not come and stay in that place. God is saying that ultimately, ultimately, you will have victory. That though temporarily you may be subject to all of these things that are happening to you. There is wickedness and things that we don't agree with that are happening all around us. God's saying, ultimately, you will have the victory over it. It may come, but it will not come to rest. It will not come to rest. Psalm 37, verse 1 and 2 says this, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That's how that psalm starts. Listen to how it finishes. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Because they trust in him. Your trust will ultimately be triumphant. Your trust in God will bring triumph eventually. I've shared this before about how um, after we, we had our son and um, my wife fell pregnant again and, and she was pregnant with a little girl and uh, we were overjoyed and it was awesome. Um, but during the latter part of her pregnancy, we had complications and um, went for a scan and, and, and things weren't looking too good and, and we're basically told because of the condition that not only did it endanger the child but it also endangered my wife. And so he said, you'll have to come back, we'll have to do this procedure, we won't be able to save her, all of this. And so that was on a Friday and I remember we went back home and because I, I said to him, I said, um, I don't want you to make a decision yet, please give us time, talk about it, think about it, pray about it. And so I went back home and for that whole time, I remember just crying out to God, crying out, believing for a miracle, you know, praying, fasting, all, all of that. And um, 
And I don't know whether you've ever done this in desperate situations, but you start trying to make deals with God. You start negotiating with God. If you do this for me, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll give you my life. I'll join the monastery. I'll go to Siberia. I'll go anywhere. I will do anything, please. And, and we start negotiating and, and all of that. Well, we went back and um, they ran the scan again and things had actually not improved. It had gotten worse. And so they had to do... Um, you know, emergency surgery and, um, and baby was uh, delivered and born, stillborn. And I remember being in another room and, and the nurse came in and, um, and I'm trying to process all of this and I'm thinking, Lord, I've seen you do miracles for other people. I've seen you do so many things for others. We're trying to serve you as best we can. Why couldn't you do this for us? And I remember being frustrated and, and angry and thinking, oh, probably I'll never be able to trust him again. And then all of a sudden the door opened and the nurse came in with our daughter and she'd already passed. And, and I remember holding her, wanting to be angry, but just being flooded with peace, overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence in that, knowing that even though I was holding this little girl, God was holding me in that time. And, and I had this revelation that God actually knows exactly how I feel because he's a father that also lost a child. But that ultimately, we will be reunited in glory. That death does not get to have the final say. That ultimately, those that trust in the Lord, regardless of how dark it looks around you or what is look, you are looking at within you, that ultimately, you will have victory, that you may not understand what you're going through and the challenges and the heartache and the tears you're crying and the heartache that you are feeling, all of that. The psalmist is telling us, even in the midst of all of that, if you continue to trust in God, you will have victory. That the scepter of the wicked, it will not rest over you permanently. It may be resting temporarily, but it will not rest over you permanently. Ultimately, you will have victory. Amen. I just felt um, today that all of that was because that I believe God is wanting to do a work in some of us that maybe genuinely have trust issues. I mean, we come to church, we pray, we worship, we tithe, we give, all of that. But you know deep down that there is, because of past disappointments, you're thinking... I don't really know. I'm not really all in, you know, sort of. I believe God wants to address that today. I believe God is saying, I want to heal the hurt so that I can resolve your trust issue. So can I just respectfully ask every head bowed and every eye closed. And in this moment, I believe God wants to do a work in your life. And maybe because of past disappointments, unmet expectations, there are some trust issues there that have developed. I believe that today is a day of healing and restoration. And God is going to restore that. So if that's you and you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer. Why don't you just lift your hand right now? And every, everyone else has got their head bowed and eyes closed. That's awesome. Once you've lifted it, you can put it down again. And I believe God's going to do a work in you today. 
So, Father, I thank you that you are here right now, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are mending broken hearts, that you are repairing things, Lord God, that have been fractured, dislocated. I just thank you, Lord God, that you are making a way for restoration, that people, Lord God, that have been hurt and that have serious trust issues, Lord God, that they are going to come back into a place of health, into a place of strength, and into a place of ultimate victory. That even when we can't trace you, we know that we can trust you and that you will continue to make a way for your people. Father, I just thank you that on this day, you are doing this for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give anyone an opportunity that maybe you're here and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, to ask him into your heart. I want to give you that opportunity today. So if you're here and you'd like to make that decision and make that commitment today, can I just ask you to raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well, specifically, wherever you might be, I want to pray for you. Maybe you've had a time where you were close to God and you've walked away. Awesome. Once you've lifted your hand, you can put it back down. And um, our team, they're going to come and uh, pray a prayer with you and, and lead you as well. But church, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to go back into a time where we can worship God. And here's the best thing about following Jesus and trusting God. We're not worshiping, we're not preaching, we're not responding for victory. We're responding from a place of victory. Amen. We are responding from a place of victory. So all over this place, as we engage, as we respond to God, know that He has already given us the ultimate victory 2,000 years ago through His Son. And here's the promise in Romans. Here's the promise. It says, He who did not even spare His own Son, He didn't even spare Him, but gave Him up for us, how much more will He also with Him give us everything? Every single one of us can have faith, confidence and trust in God because God never asks us to do something that He wasn't willing to do first. But the writer of Romans is saying, this is a proof. If you want to know whether God's trustworthy, have a look at what He was willing to give up, His own Son. And if He was, if he was willing to give up His own Son, how much more is He able to give to you all that you need? Amen. Why don't you lift your hands? and Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.